Well, I'm very excited about a new series that's beginning just today for our families and whatever situation you find yourself in. God loves you, wants you in his family, and especially uh, those of us who have gathered together as a Christ Journey family, I want to greet you once again. Some of you, this may be your second time with us, actually. Maybe you were a guest with us at Easter, and so I want to thank you for taking us up on the invitation again, and we pray that this will be a blessing to you as we uh, start this new series. Whether you're joining us in Kindle Campus or Gables Campus here in South Florida or across the nation or around the world, our prayers with you this day. And I also want to say a great big thank you to God and to our property management team in Gables, because we have air conditioning in uh, Coral Gables today. So um, to those of you listening in other places without air conditioning, wish you could be here, but um, so far we're good today. Um, the, uh, the people are back in their capital city after years of exile and captivity. And the defensive walls around the city are in rubble, which means they're vulnerable and their families are at risk. And some are just so tired and discouraged. Others feel uh, totally exposed and vulnerable no matter where they turn. And that's the buzz. It's in the news. It's on the streets. They're surrounded by their enemies and everybody's feeling it. And somebody arrives that says, those who uh, were lived near came and told us 10 times over, wherever we turn, They'll attack us, Nehemiah 4.12. They're saying every move we make, no matter where we make, gets pushback. And not just once or twice or three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times, eight times, nine times, 10 times over. We feel like no matter what we do, no matter where we turn, it feels like we're under attack. So fear is everywhere. And uh, it's, palpable, and it's numbing. They've heard so much bad news, it's hard to believe there's any other kind. And we know how that feels too, don't we? With atrocity after tragic atrocity just being downloaded into our reality, it seems every day it's like overwhelming. And yet into this oppressive darkness, God ignites a torchlight of hope he puts fire in the belly of a leader named Nehemiah with this fresh vision of hope and of restoration for a new day of strength. And Nehemiah shows up. He can't help but speak about it. Have you ever been like that? You ever been so moved by something that you just had to talk about it? You know, you just can't keep it to yourself. That's Nehemiah. And it doesn't make sense. Uh, the people are surrounded by their enemies. We just said that. They're breathing threats down their necks. And yet a new leader rises and then speaks to those in power and to everybody else who will listen and says this, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight Fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, for your homes, Nehemiah 4.14. In other words, some things are worth fighting for, and one of them is your family. Your family is worth fighting for. And that's where we're landing today. God knows that, and so he has sent a faithful servant in to fan the flicker of family love and family loyalty into a full flame of resistance and then restoration. 
story in Nehemiah. It was true then and it's true now. Your family is worth fighting for. And uh, we need to fight for them because families are on the brink. Families are under attack in our culture. If that language is too strong for you, then maybe you would agree that we face challenges today as never before in our cultural memory. At least let's agree there for a moment. It feels like we're competing against so many things, media, technology, busyness, and the battle is relentless. You know, we fight it every single day. Consumer culture and society tell us that what success and happiness look like, right? You need to have these things. When you have this stuff, when you have this much money, when you have when your kids go to this kind of school, when you wear these kind of clothes. And so, so many of, our, of us are embattled. We find ourselves embattled pursuing what the world tells us is gonna make us okay. And then we get so embattled pursuing that that we're exhausted when we get home and we give leftovers to our family. You know, we give one device to a kid and then we go hide in another one. You ever hide at home? You ever... Um, withdraw from your family into some hidden place or thing. Or maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe you don't even have a vision for your family. What's that? Maybe you don't have a vision for your family. You know, you're just going through the motions. You just take it as it comes. I mean, we're just trying to keep body and soul together and, and keep moving forward. Vision for a family? What is that? Or maybe you might even feel like family is an intrusion, that, um, that it's getting in the way of what? Of you getting your way. Happens in our world today. You know, it's not cool to be married and have kids. Uh, to get married young is to limit your options, to limit your success in life. So some want to say, you know, the family unit is evolving. And I'm wondering if devolving or dissolving might be better words. Let me tell you what I mean. Consider this, since 2014, Singles have outnumbered married adults in America. Four years now. Only 30% of millennials today say that having a successful marriage is one of the most important things in life. That means 70% don't. Four in 10 Americans told Pew Research Center in 2010 that marriage was becoming obsolete. This is just what we're saying in our country. For the first time, and then uh, by 2020, 65, adults 65 and over, for the first time in global population history, will outnumber children under age five. First time in global population history. By more than double. Now, academics are telling us that our society is in the midst of a fundamental shift. It's happening now. We're in it. Why? Well, there's more than one simple single reason for this, for sure, right? But one of them might be that in our cultural value system, we idolize the individual self. Am I wrong? We idolize the individual self. And so when you build a culture, think with me for a moment, when you build a, an entire culture around idolizing the individual self, individual self-interest, individual self-definition, radical individual autonomy, then you know what suffers? Family, community. When individual autonomy is exalted, community, togetherness, suffers. I mean, this is like 
by definition. Like one guy observed, we started off trying to set up a small anarchist community, but people wouldn't obey the rules. <laughs> Welcome to our culture. It, it's hard to do family when everybody is out for himself. And so when self is the defining value, it makes it tough to get beyond yourself, which is what family's about. But God wants us to know, God wants you to know that your family is worth fighting for. And I'm just gonna tell you, you're gonna have to fight for it if you want one. You're gonna have to fight for it. How do you do it? Well, how do you build, how do you build a family togetherness when forces oppose it on so many sides, it feels like? Well, I think Psalm 127 has an answer. Psalm 127 has an answer. The Bible is our source book, and we're gonna to turn to some ancient wisdom that is timely today. And if you'd like to do that with me, you'll find it on the hard copy Bibles in the row before you, page 614, or it's in the Christ Journey app where you can just bring it right up. If you're new to the Bible, Psalms is kind of like right in the middle. You know, just go to the middle, open it up. There's 150 of them, and then just go wherever you need to go to get to 127. But that's where we're gonna start. And here's how... Here's how it begins. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Then verse two presses it in deeper. Uh, in vain, you rise up early, you stay up late toiling for food to eat. The image here is of somebody who is working really hard to provide for their family. They get up before dawn, they stay out into the deep, into the night because they're trying to put food on the table and clothes on their backs and get more stuff to take care of their family, right? It's an image of some moms and dads who know what it's like to hold down more than two jobs to try to just just make ends meet. That's what's happening here. In my early ministry, I was familiar with this. I mean, I had to work three part-time jobs just to afford to be pastor of the church I was at. And that's not a joke. They paid $125 a week, and it kind of took more than that for our family to survive. So I know what he's talking about. Many of you do too. But the Lord says this, it's not you getting up early and then staying up late and working hard all those hours to take care of your home. He's saying, you got to trust me or you're going to burn out. And that's verse three, or verse, no, verse two. He says, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So in other words, if you're trying to make it happen by hard work and discipline to the exclusion of rest and recovery and the neglect of your family, that often happens. There's the irony. Then it could be a cover-up that you're not really trusting God. So the psalmist is saying, trust God and you'll sleep better at night. Basically. Why? I mean, you got to keep your work family balance in check. And we're going to be looking at that on this series. But he says, essentially, it's this. Remember, God is a home builder. That's where it starts. God is a home builder. You're not on your own. He says, the Lord builds, the Lord watches over, and the Lord grants sleep to those he loves. The Lord loves, and you're one of those he loves. So this is about family love that is building and watching over and putting things in perspective. Your family is worth fighting for. Your heavenly father believes it. He's fighting for it, in fact. And then in verse three, it just gets better. But before we go there, I want to remind you of something that Moses experienced in his heavenly father's love. 
the God behind Psalm 127 is the same God that's behind Deuteronomy 32, which is where Moses leads the people out of the wilderness toward the promised land. Remember that? God's establishing his family and God's fighting for his family. And Deuteronomy 32 says that God who treasures you and guards you like the apple of his eye, his children, man, his eye is on them. Verse 11, like an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young and spreads its wings to catch them on its pinions, carries them in its pinions. Pinions, by the way, are the flight feathers of an eagle, of the wing. He's saying that God is like that. God's got his eyes on every one of his children that are so treasured and precious to him. And like a parent eagle, he's not only covering them, but he's lifting them. He wants to help them fly. This is the heavenly father that's taking them out of the wilderness and say, I've got plans for you. Now, speaking of eagles, did you know bald eagles mate for life? Mate for life. And actually, when uh, it's breeding season, both mom and dad protect the eggs, protect the nest. Isn't that something? I mean, both, when the eggs are in the nest, both parents will sit on top of it. They'll take shifts on that. And, and, uh, and eggs are almost never uncovered. In fact, those who study them say that 98% of the time, eagles' eggs are covered by mom or dad. I'm thinking America could learn something from our, fam or from our national bird, couldn't we? Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 11 says, God is like that, like an eagle who's covering his nest and who's watching for his little eaglets that are, he wants them to fly. He stirs his nest, he hovers over his nest. And then verse 13 says, this is how Moses and the people of Israel were got delivered out of Egypt slavery because God, like a papa eagle, was mothering over his people and taking them through the hard place. Look at this, verse 13. God nourished him with honey from the rock. I love that. What an irony. But hold that thought, honey from a rock. What does that mean? How about this? God can make the hard place sweet. Has he ever done that for you? You've been in a hard place. God sort of sweetened it up for you <laughs> and didn't change the hard place, but he just made it sweet and, and you grew in the midst of it. God can make the hard place sweet. What Moses is saying, here's what I learned. God is like an eagle who wants to lift his children and cause them to fly. And God is a protector and a provider in a way that makes the hard place sweet. Is that something your family needs? Protection and provision. Protection from the destructive forces that would place your little birds at risk. And then provision that would help make the hard place sweet. Family's hard, isn't it? You don't have to say amen. I'll take your silence as a, oh yeah. Family is hard. And that's why we need to fight. And not just moms, guys, dads. Dads, too. You know, if you don't fight for your family, who's going to? Can I ask you that? But God will meet us in the hard place, and he'll make it sweet. And this series is going to show us how. The God who took Moses through and all the people of Israel into the promised land is the same God who is committed to taking you through the hard place and bring you to the sweetness and make it sweet in the middle of it. And this is what the thinking behind Psalm 127 Here's what verse three says. Sons are a heritage and inheritance from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are sons born in one's youth. 
Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You know, if your quiver's full, you're quivering, I guarantee you. But, but quiver's full, but they will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies. There's the fight. There's a fight at large in the gate. Verse three, sons are a heritage from the Lord. That means an inheritance and children are a reward. Think of that for a moment. God says some of the, this may not be your perspective, but this is God's perspective. God is saying some of the best gifts a human being can ever receive in life are children. In other words, children are not liabilities. Children are assets. That children, God calls them rewards. Rewards. I mean, Jesus said, you know, you can't get into heaven unless you learn to think like one of them. This is how special they are. They have an awful lot to teach, an awful lot to give. Like they're inquisitive minds, they're trusting hearts. Kids are not inconveniences to be aborted. Children mean you are being rewarded. This is God's perspective on it. And they are rewards from God meant to be treasured. That's what we do with rewards. Now, reward is a passive word, isn't it? Passive, what I mean by that is a reward doesn't have to do anything in order to have value, in order to be treasured, to have worth. A reward is just valuable because it's a reward. And it doesn't have to do anything. It's the same with our kids. They have intrinsic value as human beings, image bearers of God, loved for be, simply being. They don't have to do anything. You just, you know, when you have your little baby, you just look, look. Oh my, have you ever seen a child so smart? Look, you know, I mean, just by being, they present value. And God is saying every child needs to know that kind of love. An unconditional love that's not based on, it, on their performance. It's simply because they're there. So God wants every child to know that kind of love, though many of us didn't. God the Father wants you to know it now too. So reward, reward is, uh, is passive language. It's also safe language. It's safe and secure language. You know what we do with our treasures? We put them in safety deposit boxes, don't we? We lock them up. We want to keep them safe. We want to keep them secure. We want to protect them from dangers and thieves and snares. And this is what parents want for their kids, right? And we want them safe and secure in the nest. We all understand that. But oh my, look at verse four. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Arrows. Now, arrows are weapons. Arrows find their value not simply in being, but in doing in being launched from the bow, right? This is the language of danger. Arrows prove their worth when they are removed from the security of a quiver, when they are released from the bow, and when they are launched into the battle. Arrows prove their worth in their release and in their battle. The quiver represents home life. That's what we're talking about today. Home life that cultivates the environment where arrows are given shape, where arrows are straightened and sharpened and strengthened, right? Where God intends every little treasure to be valued and then to be raised in order to be released from the quiver. You know, taken from the quiver, released from the bow, and then launched into the world from the quiver. The quiver is the environment, the home environment where Life and love is shared and parents and children both grow in all the ages and stages of life. Now, somebody's thinking, you know, but I'm not a parent, Bill. I mean, this is a great talk. Should have had it some years ago or I'm not even in it now. So what are we talking about here? May I suggest that 
with God as your parent, he wants you to live with the end in mind as well. That's what this is talking about. Every little arrow is raised with an eye toward release. Maybe you've just entered the release phase of your life. Or maybe you've been in it for a while. May I remind you that God is your heavenly father, wants to mother you like an eagle and carry you on his wings and lift you in ways that will make an impact in your world. And simply because you're not in a family today doesn't mean you're not building a foundation for one someday. So don't just live for now in a self-saturated culture. What he's saying is live with the end in mind. And we're gonna get into this more next week, but a parent's role shifts as a child grows through the stages of life. For instance, when a child is an infant, or a precious little toddler, you know what they need? Nurture, 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 nurture. You know, when they get into the early elementary years, they need teaching. Show me how to do this. And then they do it themselves. And then older uh, childhood or early adolescence is more of a trainer role where, okay, I taught you how to do this, but you've got to do this. You got to pick your own clothes. You got to dress your own, you know, you got to eat your own. You got to, so you're stepping into more, you know, you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to, and these years have been called the wonder years. Then we kick into adolescence and early adulthood, the teenage years and the older adolescence, which have been called the wonder what happened years. Um, (laughs) But parenting changes so that now you're stepping into a coaching role because they are on their own. They're, they're stepping in. You're making a ready for full release. And so trust is built and responsibility is taken. And now the parent is trying to coach. You don't parent a teenager the same way you parent a toddler. Parents grow as children do as well for the launching. So, and then parenting adult children. Oh my goodness, this is a whole other dynamic as some of us are learning but there are basic stages we grow through together. So parents have got to keep growing as their children grow, and that's part of the design. Parenting's been called the hardest job you'll ever do. And that's why, that's why God created the church, so you don't have to do it alone. And at Christ's Journey, we call that thinking orange, where we, bring the, we believe in bringing the heart, the red, the heart and love of home, that's represented by the color red, and the light and truth, the warmth of God's sunshine through the church, and we mash them up together and we wind up with this brilliant, vibrant orange that is full of nutrients for our children in the experience that they share. Their thinking orange means bringing both divine creations, family and church together, and experiencing the blessing that human family when married to spiritual family can result in as we share together in in raising the arrows in our quivers. And it doesn't matter what your quiver looks like. Some of our quivers are nuclear families. Some of our quivers are uh, adopted families. Some of us are extended families. Some of us are blended families. Some of us are single parent families. Some of us are raised by our grandparents. Whatever your situation, we are here as God's people in God's church to fight together for our families, like Nehemiah said, in a not-so-family-friendly world. The church has its part as a life support system. Education and educators have their part in the school system. Families have their part that they've got to do, and the church wants to bring us together toward this end. Proverbs 22, 6, train a child. This is a promise God is making. Train a child in the way he should go. We're holding on to it right now, aren't we, parents? And when he's old, he won't turn from it. That's raising them with the end in mind. I'm thinking, as my child is growing, they're gonna be on their own, they're gonna be making decisions, and we want them to see the blessing of God 
on their life. We're gonna raise them with the end in mind. We're gonna raise them with the Lord in mind. We're gonna raise them with God's will in mind. God has a plan for their life. And the seeds that we plant in the garden of our family, in church family and biological family, will will rise up to bring harvest. So mom and dad, uh, your kids need their church. I mean, you already know this, but can I just underline it for you? Your kids need your church. We give priority to sports. We give priority to dance. We give priority to academics. We give priority to extracurricular. What about their spiritual lives? Your church is here. Why? Because your family is worth fighting for, and we are on, we're in your corner and want to help there. Now, I've told you before, maybe you remember this, uh, I have no memory of ever hearing my biological daddy say, I love you with words. I can't, I'm not going to try to go into why not and how did that happen, but I can tell you that he did say it in his actions. Through the hard work that he did, through the hard times that we faced, and he also loved to give gifts. And... Uh, One of the most special gifts that I ever received from him was a leather quiver that my dad was a leather craftsman. Um, It was of a hand-carved, ornate Western design. And at the height of my teenage rebellion, as I was leaving to go to college saying, he gave this quiver to me. Looks something like this one. Um, Looking back now, I remember in becoming an Eagle Scout that... uh, the hardest skill-based merit badge for me that I ever earned was the archery merit badge. So I want to show you that one too. I got it. I got its last because it was so hard. <laughs> but I did get it, you know. I was so proud of it. But I'm not sure if my dad made the connection between the quiver that he gave me when they were launching this arrow and the badge that was so hard to attain. I don't. I don't know if he was thinking that because, like I said. Man, a few words. But I do know this. It was one of the most time-consuming projects he'd ever done. It was all hand-done. It was hand-woven. It was a work of art and beauty. And the entire purpose of a quiver is what? Hold the arrows yet to be delivered. If a quiver functions well, you know what? Someday it's going to wind up empty. And that's what God is trying to say, you know? I'm raising you to be released. And then we re-enter the next generational process there. And that's what our home life is. You know, if a quiver does its job, you're gonna hold and handle the arrows and you're gonna give rise as you raise them and then they're going to be released and face a world of danger. And God wants them to be ready like an eagle to rise up and fly. How's it gonna happen? Well, the church has a part in that. That's what I'm trying to say. Every person is meant to grow in a place. That's our home life. That's the quiver wherein God wants to help. And every person is meant to grow toward a goal. That's our mission. Your mission in life is to be released for God's purpose into a dangerous world. We're all gonna wind up there someday and God wants to help. And that's what Psalm 127 is trying to say. It's like the the poem that I memorized some time ago. Give them roots, be their guide. You won't always be at their side. Give them wings, let them soar. Let them see life as an open door. You may skip some other things, but give them roots and give them wings. And we don't have to do that by ourselves. 
In fact, we're doing it together as a family. Now, some of you, again, you're thinking, you know, I'm not in a family. I live alone. Well, I don't have kids. Would you let me say this? Is the family of God worth fighting for? Because you're in that family. This isn't just about yourself. That's part of what following Christ is breaking out of the idolatry of the false God of self and into, oh, the true God that connects me in love with others and builds family, his family in the church. So it's not just about biological nuclear family. You know what? It's about spiritual family that brings the full redemptive grace of God into human life and into all the spaces that that represents for us. Your family is worth fighting for too, even if it's the family of God right now. So perhaps if that fits you, could God be saying, you know, I want you to bring some of your yellow, your bright warmth and sunshiny truth into the heartaches of some other family's red right now. And then together we can make orange as a church. This series is about doing that to help build a stronger foundation in God's church in every home we serve. And it's about building stronger family. How? By building a stronger you. Now we're to the individual. Now we're to the self. That they don't grow unless we grow. And in each message, we're gonna be seeing how God can enter a hard place and make it sweet. We're gonna be looking at several hard places, in fact, over the next few weeks together. Um, The series is Arrows and... uh, fighting for your family. Today, we looked at quiver. Quiver is where arrows are housed and raised and, and you know straightened and strengthened and sharpened for that day of release. They're raised with the end in mind. Next week, we're going to be looking at tension because no arrow can launch well without tension. What's that one going to be about? Freedom and responsibility, aka child discipline at home the appropriate use of tension. And then the next week, oh my goodness, these arrows, they, they can stick you. Piercing, how do we tend our wounds when it's your family that has hurt you? What are we supposed to do about that? When family is supposed to, in your mind, and yet, did you know that Simeon told Mary, the mother of Jesus, a sword will pierce your heart? We're gonna talk about that the next week. How do we tend our wounds? And then, anchor. This archer behind me has a beautiful anchor. That's what you're seeing right now. The posture from which the arrow is launched. And that week we're gonna look at who's and who you are, identity and how significant it is to engage the world today. And then after that, I believe it's bullseye. That's what's coming next. What are we aiming for? And that week we're gonna be looking at love across generations. The greatest commandment is love, but how do we do it across generations? Like I heard today that Saralta and Aurora have 28 grandchildren. That's bullseye, buddy, you know. (laughs) Lots of work to do. And then Bo. The final week is a message on marriage. And the male-female points of tension energize. A A strong marriage, a growing marriage can energize the security and launch of an arrow. That's what we're going to be looking at together. And I'm not, I'm going to tell you something. There's no such thing as a perfect family. There's no no perfect people, but there is a Christ journey family where God's grace and truth are practiced together. And we make orange and we juice it up for everybody who will join us in it. So I want to get real practical just for a moment. What can you do as a parent today? Well, you can see that your kids are connected in family ministry. If you haven't done that, you got to do that right away. Now, today, 
get up, you leave, you go there, you know, do it, get connected. And then you keep them involved regularly with your family. You connect with your family. So weekly is best to stay connected in your family. Weekly is best. And I'm telling you already, uh, it's not too early for summer camp. Some life-changing arrow shaping happens in the kids camp and student camp ministries of this church. You don't want to miss that. Um, then as adults, as parents, get in a group. Stay connected yourself. Growing parents make growing families. And we do it together. We pray it up together. We love one another together. Uh, then we have a family ministry, a family conference that's coming up later this month. I mean, we're going to, we're, we're really backing the truck up and saying, here we are. We're going to try to do family and you have your part. We're going to do our part. Okay. To the point that we even have a new webpage that's going to have all of our resources on it. Book resources, follow-up resources, training resources, so that whatever age and stage of your family development, there's going to be some place to get there and go there together with us. And uh, then the final thing I want to say is this week, I, was, I received what I believe is a very strong prompting from God and then a confirmation externally that came with it that said, Bill, you got to call everybody to pray. And so that's what I'm doing now. I need you to do something with me. Every Christ Journey family member, if you have not yet downloaded the Christ Journey app, you have to download the Christ Journey app. And if you have downloaded it, I want you to go to the prayer panel in the app and just click on it right now. It'll take 10 seconds, you know, to do this whole thing. You click on that prayer app, here's what's going to happen. It's going to take you into pray.com, which is our closed family prayer group. We have 238 of us that are already praying on it. I'm asking God to give us a thousand prayer force warriors who will help cover all of our families, all of our marriages for the next 40 days. And we're going to ask Jesus to make appearances by his spirit into all of our church family lives. And I'm praying you'll take me up on this and say yes. In fact, I'm asking God to double the number that are currently participating today so that by day's end, we'll have 500 of us and by next week, we'll have 1,000 and then we'll spend the next 30 days just praying it up and connecting in community online. Listen, parenting is the hardest job you'll ever have. You won't do it perfectly. But that's why God gave us a church so that we can be there for one another when marriages don't work out the way we thought, when parenting doesn't happen the way we thought, when children don't make the choices we thought, then God says, oh, I've got, I got your back here. I got some pinions on my eagle's wings <laughs> and Christ Journey Church is here for you and we're gonna be there together for this. Your family is worth fighting for. So let's do it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way that you have echoed and demonstrated the Father's fight for us in the cross and the resurrection, the power of your spirit. Now we pray that you would unleash the power of your resurrected spirit into the life of your body, Christ's journey, for the benefit of our marriages, our families, our children, and their future. And we receive your blessing as even now we're listening for your spirit's call. Are you listening? Then would you lean in and say, yes, Lord. Perhaps today you'd like to invite the blessing of God to begin fresh in you. Maybe you've been religious in the past. Maybe you've gone to church in the past. But what we're talking about is knowing God as personal father, as personal parent who will protect and provide who is there for you.
If you would like to trust Christ in that way, I want to say a prayer and invite you to join me in it. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming from the heart of our Heavenly Father to fight for the family of your future, of our future, and to bring us into your eternal community of love. Now we pray that you would make that real to each of us. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life and fill me with your life by your promise. And I'm turning from my way, my self-centered way to follow your way and ask you to lead me to become the person you would have me be. In your name I pray. Now our heads bowed just for a moment longer, but if you prayed that last prayer with me to ask Christ into your life and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, I'm gonna ask you simply to raise your hand where you're seated, give me a moment to look around the room and then uh, join you in a prayer of blessing. If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there on the screen to click. Thank you. To my left over far against the wall, thank you. To my right, God bless you. Amen. Here in the middle, thank you, sister. Lord God, for each person who by uplifted hand is signifying an open heart, we pray now they would feel how precious they are to you. Your love would wash over them and bring fresh joy and strength as now they join us as part of the Christ journey family. In your name we pray, amen.